We are in the book of First Thessalonians, and we're in chapters 2 and 3 this morning. As we continue to walk through this passage, this book, Paul says in chapter 2, verse 17, Brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Satan stopped us. And then he continues to unfold the passage, and he gets down to chapter 3, verse 5, just a few verses later. It says, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you, and our efforts would have been useless or in vain. Strong statement. The tempter would have tempted you and our efforts would have been useless or in vain. To, to tempt here means to try or to trap. And as Paul says, our efforts will be in vain. The, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, our adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking to drink us down prowls about like a roaring lion. It would be so much easier in our warfare against the forces of darkness if Satan was red with a forked tail and pointy ears and a pitchfork or he was seen always as a prowling lion. But Peter says here he's like a prowling lion because in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says this, he says, he says the, our adversary, the devil, masquerades like an angel of light. He portrays himself as an angel of light. He disguises himself as an angel of light. It would be so much easier in our fight against the things of the devil in spiritual warfare if the devil were to say, here I am, red suit, pitchfork pointy tail or here I am a lion but he, he doesn't do that often he comes as an angel of light it'd be so much easier if Satan would give himself the true description that Christ gave him in John chapter 10 when Christ says that that the devil or the adversary comes to steal kill and destroy here I am I'm here to steal I am here to kill. I'm here to destroy your life. Get ready. Here I come. Roaring lion, red suit, steal, kill, destroy. But doesn't do that. He comes as an angel of light. He masquerades. He deceives. That's why in Ephesians 6, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes. The deceits. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, he says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Stand firm then, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to do everything to stand. And so 
I look at this text and I go, you know, I think embedded in this text are some keys to how to stand against the devil, how to fight against the things of darkness, how to be people who are resolute and faithful and gracious and, 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 and used of God. So let me bring out three principles from this text. Number one, if we're to stand against the schemes of the devil, against the one who masquerades as an angel of light, against the one who's the destroyer of our soul, against the one who came to steal, kill, and to obliterate us. We must be people who are in vital fellowship or in vital relationship in the body of Christ with men and women who will pray for us and guard our souls. Listen to some of these statements. This is incredible. Well, first of all, Paul says in chapter 2, verse 7, he says, we love you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our very lives as well. We loved you like a mother who tenderly nurses her child. Love. And then it says here, chapter 2, verse 19, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? You are our glory and our joy. And then he's heard rumors, reports, concerns that they weren't standing tall in faith. And this is what he says in chapter 3 and verse 5. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out about your faith. And he says earlier, verse 1, when I could stand it no longer. Then he says in verse 7 of chapter 3, Therefore, brothers, in all of our distress and our persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we ever thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? What a statement. See, you really see, you see the, the Apostle Paul is, is praying and concerned. He says, I couldn't stand any longer. I had to find out about you guys. He, he, he's, he's concerned. He's loving. He's gracious. And he, here's the point. I've got to have people like that in my life if I'm going to go strong. And so the question I have for me, and you, is this. Who, who prays over you like that? And for whom are you praying like that? Who is caring for you? And for whom are you caring? Who are you looking towards? I, we have to look at each other with a long-term view. I heard years ago a man who went around and he gave lectures on how to teach. He was an educator, how to teach middle school children. And he said to all to assembled teachers week after week, he says, you know, in 20 years, those, these young girls you're teaching will be mothers and teachers and leaders, and they'll be caring for the next generation. And he says, he said, all the teachers will be nodding and smiling, thinking, yes, I can see that. And he said, in 20 years, these young boys you're teaching will be leaders and physicians and of teachers and husbands, and there, he said there was a, a look of stark terror in the, in, on the face of all, all, all the teachers. Good grief, you mean this 13-year-old is going to be 33 in 20 years? Do the math. But I think for us to have a commitment to people, we've got to have the long-term view. 
We've got to look at people and see what God is going to do in their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 I, and I say, who are you doing this for? Who, who do you look at and say, you know, when the Lord Christ comes, you are going to be my glory, my joy, my crown, in which I will glory because you're going for it. Because, because I, I, I'm praying for you, I love you, I'm entrusting you to the Lord, I want to build into your life. Conversely, who's doing that for you? I was thinking about this, I thought about, just it says the schemes of the devil in Ephesians. A masquerade is an angel of light. There are traps and there are hidden ambushes and there are washed out bridges around hairpin turns in the mountains in a dark night that we don't see. I need the prayers of the brethren. I have a friend who's had a child who went through a very difficult time. He told me this years ago, and it just really impacted me. He said, the first time my child had a struggle, I was embarrassed. And so I told a couple of my best friends. And he said, the second time it happened, I, I, I told a lot of my, 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 my friends I worship with. And the third time it happened, I was grabbing people that I thought were maybe believers in jesus i said if you go to the throne of grace in the name of christ by the shed blood of the savior plead for my son's health i thought that's kind of the way it is through life you know you start off and think maybe i've got it together and then you realize you don't you get a little bit older and you realize you really don't you get a little bit little bit little bit older you realize you really 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 don't then you start reading history and you see where a lot of people just don't finish well and you say "I i need the prayers of the brothers. This, this is impressive to me. The Apostle Paul talks about putting on the full armor of Christ, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. Pretty spiritual guy. And he says this, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, I read that and I think, to me, if Mount Everest had a personality, that is like Mount Everest saying, pray that I'll be tall. Or water praying, pray that I'll be wet. I mean, this is Paul. This is Paul who wrote 12 or 13 of our New Testament books. This is the Apostle Paul. And yet Paul is praying, pray that I will fearlessly proclaim Jesus. Now, now why? Because Paul knew his heart. And Paul knew that apart from the grace of God, he could blow it. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians, I beat my body and make it my slave. So that after I preach to others and been used of God and established these churches and made these missionary journeys, I myself would not receive the award. I mean, this is Paul. And if Paul had that, how much more for me and you? And here's, here's my question. In spiritual warfare, do you have a prayer covering? 
Are you involved in a community group where people pray for you? Are you involved in a small group where people say, man, we're, we pray for each other? Do you have a prayer covering? If you're going to go strong in faith, you need to have people in your life who are concerned for you, who pray for you, who say, you know, when you go strong and you finish the race and you hit the tape at the finish line and, and, you, and you do well, you are my joy, my glory, my crown that I will boast in before the Lord Christ when he comes again. Thanks be to God for people who pray. The second thing I see in this text, this saying about spiritual warfare, is that there's a compelling desire here to continue strong in the faith. Chapter 3, verse 2 says this. We send Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and to encourage you in your faith. A compelling desire to go strong in faith, to strengthen and encourage you. Chapter 3, verse 10, night and day. We pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply, see, supply what is lacking in your faith. Supply, add to it, make complete. A compelling desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. If, if I'm to go strong in faith, if I'm to fight off the deceitful schemes of the devil, I've got to say I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, I've got to know this Savior. I want to seek first the kingdom of God. Like Proverbs says, trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Which means he will let you get to your goal. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Wow. A desire to go forward. There's an old hymn I was thinking about seeing this week. It just kind of hit me out of nowhere. Higher ground. Remember this hymn? I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights. I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright, but still I'll pray till heaven I found, Lord, lead me on to higher ground. In other words, Lord, let me grow and prosper and know you until I breathe my last. Don't let me coast. Let me supply what is lacking in my faith by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Don't let me just be phlegmatic and, and caring. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, work in me. Lord, Lord give, me, give me this desire. That's why, listen, that's why when Paul's talking about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, he says, and take up the shield of faith. It was a big shield. Wasn't one of these little things, you know, that used for palm. It was a big, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the devil. Not some, all. Now, what is the shield of faith? It is thinking, biblically saturated, God-honoring thoughts about the Lord who is and who, who is triune. It is, it is thinking biblical thoughts, God-honoring, God-saturated thoughts about God throughout the day. Now, you take up the shield of faith. 
you know, an arrow comes and you, you starts coming in. Maybe an arrow of where you're covetous or an arrow where you're grumbling. You're thinking, no. You, you, you pop and says, no, the scripture says that I should be someone who in all things give thanks. Boom, you catch the fiery dart. Or you have a thought that hits you from about, you, boom, you, you, with the shield of faith, are you thinking these thoughts? I don't want to coast. I don't want you to coast. We say to each other, what book of the Bible are you thinking about? Are you reading? We all say, boom. Or what book, book are you reading that is encouraging you? Boom. Did you... You just do it, and you, and, and, and you think, and you grow, and, and as you think, and as you grow, and as you think God-saturated, biblically-informed, God-glorying thoughts, you catch the fiery darts. Boom! You watch the news. That's a great, just watch, I don't watch the news, but if you watch the news, great way to catch fiery darts. They want you to worry. Boom! I'm not going to worry. God's in control. Catch the fiery darts with the shield of faith as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. That, that, that's who we're to be. Now, here's a quote the bulletin from a little book called Screw Tape Letters. Senior demon writing to a junior demon, supposedly. I'm just going to read it more of it because it's so good. It says, the long, dull, monotonous years of middle-aged prosperity, okay, or middle-aged adversity on top of your game or beneath the game. Our excellent campaigning weather. You see, it is so hard for these creatures, us, to persevere. Because on says this, the routine, this is, this is the, the guys that are in adversity. The routine of adversity, the gradual decay, the decay of youthful loves and youthful hopes, and youthful energy, the quiet despair of ever overcoming the chronic temptations in which we have again and again been defeated, the drabness which we create in their lives, and the inarticulate resentment with which we teach them to respond to it, all of this provides admirable opportunities of weaning the soul by attrition. You just, you just grind people down. On the other hand, the guys that are successful. <laughs> Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is, quote, finding his place in it, close quote, while really it is finding its place in him. His increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of absorbing and agreeable work, build up in him a sense of being really at home on earth, which is just what we want. Uh, either way, drabness and adversity or success either one see if i'm to fight off the darts i gotta take the shield of faith gotta take it up man 
I've got to grow in grace. I've got to be a person of the Scripture. I've got to pray. That's what it says. Example. There's a book. There's a great little book called Fair Sunshine. And one of the first chapters is about a guy, this guy, James Guthrie. This is an artist rendition from 1661. James Guthrie was a, was a, was a preacher of the gospel in Scotland. He was told, you can't preach the gospel or we'll put you to death. He kept preaching the gospel. Oliver Cromwell said about James Guthrie a few years before his death, oh, that's the short little man who could not bow. He can't be moved. Scotland. So he's preaching the gospel. He's condemned to death. They bring he's, his first wife has died. He's married a second time, so he has younger children. He's forty-five. He takes his young children, puts them on his knee, and kisses them goodbye and prays over them. And then an eyewitness there at his execution said he went halfway up the ladder to his execution, and he stopped, and he was allowed to pull back the hood that they put over his face. And this is what he says, just in part. Listen to this. Jesus Christ is my life and my light, my righteousness, my strength, and my salvation. All of my desire, Him, oh, Him, I do with all the strength of my soul commend to you. Bless Him, oh, my soul, from henceforth, even forever. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. This this was... Now, I love the movie Braveheart. It's a great movie. You ought to watch it once a year, if you're a guy especially. Braveheart's being executed, and why does he cry out? Freedom! This beast freedom with a stick. This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. It's not saying, hey, he doesn't say anything. He said, guys, do your duty. Keep, keep a stiff upper lip. The generations to come are watching us now. No, he, he has this enthralling statement about the intoxicating glory of knowing Jesus. He's my life. He's my joy. I heartily commend him to you. And if I'm going to go strong in faith, I've got to have, I've got to have a knowledge that is compelling, but it is beautiful regarding the glory of Christ. I've got to see the wonder of the Savior. By the Spirit, I've got to taste the, the goodness of Jesus. And if you, if you, if you go strong like that, there's a, I read an article recently in, Older man, early 60s, talking to a man in his early 80s who's been a leader in the Christian church for six decades. And he, he, said, he said, I asked him this question. He said, how, how often does someone, or how often someone who does live with a deep sense of joy or soul satisfaction in Christ find that their life ends up in a moral ditch. They were talking about how the number of people they knew who had really blown it. And so I said, I just kind of was wondering, I said, you know, how many men do you know who lived with a deep sense of soul satisfaction in, in Jesus ended up with their life in the moral ditch? And this is what 
his 83-year-old mentor said, 82-year-old mentor, he said, never. 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 That's what I want. I don't want to get in a moral ditch. I don't want to float the last 30 years of my life. I, I want to go for it. And I want you to go for it. And I go for it when I have a deep sense of soul satisfaction in all that Christ is for me. By the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. I see the glory of Jesus. Never. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. See? The, the, the third way in this passage we fight spiritual warfare is that we understand that God is God in our, as we seek Him. Listen, verse 3. I didn't want anyone to be unsettled or unhinged by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. As we walk with the Lord and we know Him, we, we go to bed at night saying, nothing comes into my life that doesn't come through the nail-scarred hands of my Savior. What peace. Like Paul says in Romans 8, we know that all things, all things, work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he called, he also predestined. And those whom he predestined, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. When Paul thinks about this great king who rules, he says, he says, what shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who can lay any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. I mean, he just goes, he just and he celebrates the goodness of Christ. It's Christ who intercedes for him. He just says, church, he says, listen, church, listen. God is God. He can be trusted. He, he watches over you. If, I, if I'm going strong in faith, I, I've got to say, at the end of the day, as I hit the pillow with my head, my Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Blessed be the Lord. As I have a prayer cover and I grow in grace, I say, you, you are King Jesus and you reign and you listen. You're in a battle. You are in a battle. And Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He's not going to get most of you by getting you involved in crack cocaine. He's not going to get most of you by letting you be a billionaire world playboy with 15 adulterous relationships on the side. It's not. He's going, to get, he's going to get you by having a critical spirit. He's going to get you by letting you be lazy. He's going to get you by letting you say Christ is good, but I really, really, really like the Republican Party. Christ is good, but I really, really, really like school reform. 
Christ is good, but I really, 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 really like whatever. Fill in the blank. That's where he's going, going to get us. We've got to understand the schemes of the devil. You know, the, the Lord is good, and I love, I love him, but boy, why in the world did he let me marry my wife? He was asleep at the switch that day 35 years ago. You know, you see what I'm saying? It's, 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 so we need to be aware of the schemes of the devil. He prowls about like a roaring lion, but he masquerades as an angel of light. Years ago, uh, we had some uh, opportunity to go into Sudan as a church. We've been there several times, and on the way back, we, we had the flight of Nairobi, and so... Some of us went on a safari. It was a picture-taking safari. We went into this, into a huge national game preserve in Kenya. And we stayed behind this high fenced-in area where there was cattle guard, where there was a, a gate where the jeeps, big, big jeeps would go in and out so the animals could not get in. When they got there, they said, you know, we probably not to tell you this, but please don't leave the compound because there are wild animals out there. I thought, well, that's why we're here. So we went out, and we would see these rhinoceroses and zebras and wildebeest and lions. And the male lion, like most males, is lazy. Sits up under a tree all day long, and the lioness is working feverishly and hunting and, and taking care of the little cubs. And you're in this big jeep, and here comes a Pride is a pride of lions. All right, pride. Is that, is that the word pride? Okay, pride of lions. And uh, they're so cute. They're, of course, you're you're up on this jeep on this observation platform taking pictures. They're just so they're they're lovely. They're cute. So here comes the little cubs, and here comes the mama, and you know Simba. Remember that Lion King. Then you go back in at night, and they say, "Well, just as before you suffer, please, uh, please don't don't leave the compound." Sure. I mean, you don't have to tell me that more than once. So we didn't, and we, we left and came home. Two months later, I pick up an, an international news magazine that says that a European was on a safari in Kenya, didn't name the preserve, but he left the compound early in the morning to photograph wildlife in their natural habitat as they drank at the river. He was attacked by a group of lions and eaten. I thought, you know, some people understand lions eat. Don't leave the compound. Some people don't get it. There are people here who don't understand you're in warfare. And Satan wants to drink you down. And he will do anything to get you. Be ready. Have people who are praying for you. Bury your life continually. In the nurturing word of God. Glorify the king who reigns and rules. Do that. Do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day you've given us and for the privilege of worship. What, what glory. What glory is worship. What, what wonder. Uh, so we, we praise you. We thank you. We honor you this day. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, let us see that we are in spiritual warfare. 
I thank you, I thank you, thank you, thank you, I thank you for dear people who have prayed for me for years. And thank you for the privilege I've had to pray for other people. Thank you, Lord, that when we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, that, that the knowledge of God in the Scripture is an inexhaustible wealth of glorious truth. And I pray we would drink, drink deeply from that stream. And Lord, I pray that we would understand that our life is in your hands and that there are certain, that we're destined, we're, we're destined for a calling that is real and true and glorious in your sight. So let us live that way. Let us live that way. And take away the blinders and let us see the warfare around us. In Jesus' name, amen.